97 South's Storytellers features conversations with professional songwriters and seeks to pull back the curtain on the art, craft, and career of songwriting. We'll bring you to those magical moments of creativity that have delivered the inspiring songs that make up the soundtrack of our lives. Hi, I'm your host, Paul McGuire, and my guest today is songwriter, recording artist, and playwright, Johnny Reed. Born August 21st, 1974 in Lanark, Scotland, Johnny moved to Canada at the age of 16 and has since become a household name with the release of 11 studio albums, including chart toppers like Born to Roll and Fire It Up. Numerous sold-out national arena tours, 26 Canadian Country Music Association Awards, and six Junos. His song, Missing an Angel, from the album Born to Roll, reached number six on the Canadian country charts in 2005 and became Johnny's first top ten single. The title track from Fire It Up, which he wrote with Nashville's Marty Dodson and fellow Scottish-Canadian Alan Frew of Glass Tiger fame, not only topped Canadian charts, but was also recorded by and achieved major chart success in the UK and Europe for the legendary Joe Cocker. More recently, Johnny has ventured into musical theater, co-writing and touring a musical titled Maggie, based on the life of his grandmother, which premiered earlier this year. You could do my job, I could not do your job. And that is the truth. And you, 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 don't, you can. You are so good on stage at what you do. Um, your ability to tell a story, and that's what 97 South Song Sessions is all about. The art of storytelling and pulling back the curtain a little bit for people to find out what goes on in the minds of the artists whose art they have fallen in love with. This is a, not an easy thing to do. It might not even be something that you set out to do consciously when you decide to start writing songs. I would imagine one doesn't set out to write songs thinking, I'm going to be the soundtrack to somebody's life. But when did you realize that you were a storyteller? Well... I've always enjoyed telling stories, you know. Uh, you know, even even as as far back as I can remember, I, I always enjoyed telling stories. But but honestly, Paul, as far as storytelling and songwriting, um, you know, immigrating to Canada was a huge, I think, a huge fulcrum for that. You know, uh, for, for those who don't know, Johnny, how old were you when your family emigrated? I was fifteen, just about to turn sixteen. Yeah, and, which is uh, quite late. I mean, I we we emigrated when I was five. So that, yeah. that, that's a massive difference. It was a big were you, difference. Were, were, were you mad? Were you mad about emigrating? Were you, like leaving friends yeah. behind and stuff? Yeah. Uh, no, listen, the old hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, so at the time I was very mad. At the time yeah. I was frustrated. Uh, of course. I had a lot of, I, I think I was very angry, you know, and, and why me? And and it wasn't, it had nothing to do with Canada, right? It, it, had, it just had everything to do with the fact that I had been sort of torn away from everything that I know. Of course. Now, in hindsight, it was the best thing my mom and dad could have done. You know what I Look, mean? Look, 15 year old teenagers don't, don't want to be told what to do, like from a day to day basis, let alone ex- we're exactly. going to take you to another continent. So I remember, I remember I, was, I had a couple of wee jobs, and I remember going up to a place called Musicplex on Arenda Drive in Brampton, Ontario. And I remember walking in there and had no idea, to be honest, what I was looking for. But I bought this Yamaha six-string Tiger Stripe guitar. I mean, it was... Uh, I didn't know what I was buying, it, but it was what I could afford. And uh, I went in there and... I got this guitar and 
you know, this is before, obviously, the internet and before all these tutorials. You but so, Johnny, you, you didn't travel from Scotland to Toronto with a guitar? No, Paul. I, when I was a wee boy, I, I sang a few songs here and there, like uh, wee school talent shows and, you know, all that good kind of stuff. But I was like every other boy in the world. I thought I was going to be a, a sports guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, no, I traveled to Canada with a pair of football boots, you know. Yep. thinking that that was going to be it. And for a wee Discovering while... Discovering that, that at that time, at that in that year, Canada did not have any idea about soccer, football, right. whatever you want and to call it. That's right. And for that time, yeah. for that amount of time, to be honest, that's really what opened up a lot of doors for me, you know. So uh, I was in Brampton Soccer Club and then I started travelling with the guys and then I ended up getting a, an opportunity to go to university, at Bishop's University, and be a, a, foot, a place kicker yes, on the sir. football team. And But during all this time... Uh, my guitar, that old guitar that I bought at that store, uh, I learned a couple of chords. I, you know, I learned G and D and E minor was a big one, and then C. And <laughs> with those four chords, yeah. it what what it did was it and it enabled me to articulate myself emotionally. And the reason I was so upset and angry and all this kind of stuff as I was a kid was because I had absolutely no outlet for all that stuff. I had an outlet for the physical aspect. But I had no outlet for the emotional. And uh, what happened with that guitar is it, I wrote a song about it called oh, my, my Old Friend. You know, it's a good it's a good friend to me, you know. Yeah. And I didn't want to tell anybody how I was feeling. But I could tell my guitar. And so at night time, you know, I'd come in and, you know, most of the stuff was just, you know, whatever. It was just getting it off my chest. But every now and again, I would write a song that I really, I really thought was quite good and one thing led to the next i started playing around what were the rap. topics johnny what were the things that stood out that said this deserves my time to, to focus on and create into a song well the, the the stuff how it started was i was young you know so i was rebellious so i was asked to join this wee band i think it was called sinful noise or something yeah. uh, it was these two brothers and they asked me to be the singer and it was like a a grunge type but it was pretty cool and then yeah and then I had a, another bunch of guys, they were called, uh, called Earth Second Moon, and we started, it was during that whole, remember that whole kind of, all I can do, 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 do you know that, the kind of hippy-dippy type period in time, you know, so I went to, uh, you know, this hippy-dippy kind of daffodils and stuff, and it was amazing, and we were writing songs. So I was writing songs for what I was in at that point. Yeah. So it was always it was always very conceptual, right? But but then I went to university. I graduated. I went to university, and uh, when I got there, I was very busy with a whole bunch of other stuff. But when I got there, I realized that all these guys uh, at the school, everybody wanted to be Eddie Vedder, and we had a very as you know, Bishops is a smaller school, yeah. so everybody was trying to. We still all do want to be Eddie Vedder, by the way. Yeah, everybody's trying to be that, yeah, right? Yeah. And I was like, man, all these guys are fighting all the same bone. Like, what about all these local people? Because there was like, I don't know, say a few thousand students, but there was tens of thousands of local people. Yeah. So I was like, all these local people listen to country music. Well, I always loved country music. I grew up listening to country music, you know, or what they called C&W, right? Yeah. So I was like, maybe I'll try a wee bit of that. So then I leaned into again just concept, but yeah. I leaned into what I what I felt was country music, which was songs about family, friendship, love, loss, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
and then that then I realised, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to sing these songs, but I realised very, very quickly that the audience that was drawn to me, I had, I wanted to write songs for them. I wanted to write songs that connected us. So they were songs, and I've said this to you before, but they were songs of appreciation, dedication, devotion, right? So it was always a conceptual approach for me. Uh, so if I was going to write a song of appreciation, then I was going to write a song for my my girlfriend, or I was going to write a song about my friends, my mom, my my my, my life, you know. Uh, How old are you when you when you re- you just said it? It was always a conceptual approach. Yeah. How old were you when you had that realization? That's incredibly young to to be to have that three thousand foot view of songwriting. Yeah. Well, for me, Paul, and I, I, I can say this to you, I, you know, a lot of people are artists, you know, a lot of people, and you know a lot of them, I know a lot of them, you know, where they kind of sit and they dive inside and they, and they, and they live inside and th- that's where they live, you know. I've never been that, right? I've always, for me, it was always about entertainment. It was always about other people. You know, they say, you know, gifts are given to be given, right? So it was never about me, uh, even though it was about me and how I was feeling and the lyrical content and the emotion of the song was definitely about me, but it was always about sharing that and, and allowing people to know that they're not alone. So that that's an amazing realization, Johnny. I, I don't know if you, if you quite give yourself enough credit for that. You had the realization at that moment that if you wanted to engage an audience with your stories, you were going to have to make it palatable. Yeah, it's, it's a business, man. I, you know. Like, yeah, but I, did you think about it as a business then? Yeah, always. You did. Oh, wow. Yeah. Always, because because here's the here's the deal, man. Like you know, you ask people what they want, right, Paul? You yeah. You know, you ask you ask if you go up to a young artist and say, "Hey, man, what do you want?" You know, and they're gonna say, "Oh, I want buses, and I want billboards, and I want magazines, and I want to be famous, and I want to be," you know, it's like okay, I get that absolutely under completely understand that, right? But my my goal was always to take this. I never asked to be a singer. I never asked to be able to communicate through a piece of paper, you know. So it was like this gift that I was given. So I was like, right, so if I've got this gift, then my job is to take this gift, give that gift, and figure out a way to monetize that gift so that I can take care of the people that I love, you know. And uh, so wow. when, you, when, when you sit down, I mean, I could sit down and write, you know, do you think, like, honest, honest to God, if you go to Nashville, for instance, there's guys, and I did this for years, uh, there's guys that wake up and they go to work, right, as professional songwriters. They go to work, that's called 10 or 2 and a 6. Yep. You start at 10, you write a song. You go to 2, you try and write another one at 6. If you've got the time, you try and write another one. Do you honestly think that they people are diving inside and getting through all this, like, you know, you think about songwriters, right, like some of the best that we know, do you think they're doing that? They're not. It's a business. These guys are, although a lot of the songs have a lot of emotion, a lot of feeling, and, and a lot of truth. But, I mean, I've been in rooms with guys that are writing songs for Brooks and Dunn, and they're trying to figure out what key Ronnie Dunn likes to sing in. They're yeah. trying to figure out, you know, they're trying to break it apart so to give themselves the best opportunity, not only at artistic success, but also, you know, financial success. No, I know, Johnny, and, and, and we, we've, heard about you know the national machine which has obviously created some incredible art because on the day 
you could have one of these meetings at two. Everybody's just eating too much pad thai. They show up. They're like, whatever. You know, guys, I wasn't going to bring this up, but you know, my, my fiance just lost her father-in-law. That's right. Next thing you know, you have one of the greatest heartbreak songs of all time. So it can happen within the confines of that machine. That's right. That said, I know, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, is- we, know, we know that, you know, there's, that's, a, that's the, the business side of it. So, so yeah. what I think the magic is, Paul, is, is to, if, if, if your mission is to take a gift and give it back, yeah. if that's the mission, then who, you know, when we're putting presents under the tree at Christmas, we always put people's names on them, right? Yeah. So we know who's getting the gift. We know what we have and who we want to give it to. And being able to identify that, I, I think has been really important for me. I cannot tell you how many times people say, Johnny, I've got this amazing song. I've got this amazing song idea. Oh, great. And then we sit down and he says, so this is about a guy that cheats on his wife and leaves. And I'm like, ah, it's not for me, bud, you know. Oh, what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm like, well, I'll write it with you, but I'll never record it. Yeah. You know? Uh, So I write songs and support people that support me. So all my songs are going to be very personal. Uh, A woman like you, you know, dance with me, Uh, whether it be hands of a working man, kicking stones, uh, you know, for the the working working class side of me, uh, the instrumentation I always try and lean a wee bit and a wee bit of Celtic instrumentation to clearly define myself. You know, uh, to separate myself from the bunch. Um, when everybody went left, I always went right. You know, so yeah. like it was never. There's a few songs, Paul, through the years that I just came in and and sat down and and wrote because of the way I was feeling emotional at the time, and frankly. They're probably some of the best songs I've I've ever written, but I've never I've never released them. Knowing you for as long as I have, uh, you have had a remarkable run of being yeah. able to connect with people with such personal songs, with such personal songs, and and you know it, it is my experience um, in talking to uh, artists from all over the world in the, the country genre, in the pop genre, rock genre, whatever, what what have you that their artists are often very surprised at how people connect to songs that they think are so personal that nobody will ever get it. They're like, this just happened to me. I didn't even mean it to be a single. I'm going to put it out there and we'll see what happens. And those songs often end up being the, the ones that people graft onto the most, like Velcro. It's quite something. Sure. Well, I think you would have to be pretty foolish to believe that you know, you're the only person in the world that feels a certain way about certain things, you know? Great point. Um, I think once we cut, get rid of all the bullshit and, you know, the, a lot of people are like this, Paul, right? This is how they live their life, you know? Yep. And as soon as as soon as soon we're able to, to lower our hands and actually allow people the opportunity to get to know you and vice versa, what you realise is that we're all kind of looking for the same thing, you know? And, and I think that music... Not unlike any other art form, it allows us to find a little bit of ourselves within it. Uh, a great example of that for me was the song Thank You, which which ultimately was a very important part of my career. But, you know, I wrote that song. I, I forgot about Valentine's Day. I was coming back from Europe. Uh, the guy in the radio, you know, all you guys out there that forgot Valentine's Day, I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. I've said that. <laughs> 
Right, so I ran to Walgreens. There's like 20 guys in there. I don't want to fight these guys for a Valentine's card, so I grab a thank you card. I sit in my driveway and I write down some lyrics about what I was thankful for from my wife. Yeah. That led to this song, Thank You, which to me was a, a great love song. Well, what happened was... Warren Sonada, remember Warren Warren Sonada? Of course, I know Warren. Yeah, a great yeah. video director. Yeah. So Warren Warren got his hands on the song and he called me up and he said, "Hey, I've got this idea for the video." And I said, "What's the idea for the video?" And I was expecting it to be this guy like, "Oh, but this like you know, this love love thing." And and he said, "Well, I've got a guy having a heart attack in a house, and he dies, and the song becomes a song of dedication." for his life. It's a song that every man should say to his wife, but some never get the chance. I was like, oh my gosh, that's a bit, that's a lot, like that's a lot heavier than, yeah. than the reason I wrote it. But yeah. to your point, that's that's what happens is, is we're able to, different people get different things. So I think that the one, the, the one constant within any successful songwriting is truth. You know, so as long as it's coming from a very, a very truthful place, um, then I, I believe, I mean, who's to say that it's, who can argue with the truth, Paul? You know, it's a profound statement that shouldn't be that profound. Write the truth. This holds true for everybody. Inauthenticity is easy to detect. Well, it's very easy to detect, you know, and I remember watching stuff coming out and thinking to myself, man, these guys are singing about, I don't know, whatever, like truck driving. And, and half of them probably don't even know how to start a truck, you know. But it's it's amazing, right? It's like you have to, it, it is the truth. I, I sat down with this guy and we were talking about writing songs, a Scottish guy. And he said, oh, I've got this new song I've been working on. I said, oh, cool. I said, he said, I'll play, I said, I'd love to hear a wee bit. So away he goes and he starts playing it. And it's, uh, you know, I'm drinking, you know, I'm drinking cold Coors Light down by the river where my t-shirt on a dogwood branch and and I'm thinking to myself like I grew up in Scotland nobody drinks Coors Light and nobody's hanging their t-shirt on a dogwood branch I don't even know what a dogwood branch looks like you know so I asked him that I said do you know what a dogwood branch do you know what a dogwood looks like yeah he goes, wow it's a, a it's a tree right I'm like it's like man like how yeah. can you I mean, I get it. I, I don't know. It's, it's part of the business that I'm. I'm always a, a wee bit perplexed by, right? When you've got a bunch of you guys up on stage singing about shit they know nothing about, you know? Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go. Okay. So there, there's a. Uh, if I was going to say, uh, what do they say? Write what you know, right? Yeah. And be, I mean, be honest, man. You know, it just how how hard how hard is it to be yourself? You know. Uh, well, I mean, it might be hard to be yourself if you've got some people around you. I know there's pressure, particularly amongst artists who don't have a catalog, um, to try and get some traction with some stuff they think suits an image. You, to me, never seem like somebody that was forced into that or would be forced into that corner. Nobody puts Johnny in a corner. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a great line. Uh, you know, Paul, there was lots of times, there was lots and lots of times when people... Um, suggested that that i did things differently you know and yeah and I just, what was the craziest one johnny can you remember one of the craziest ones no it was it was never it was never something like that but no you know like it's it's just statements like um 
like, oh, we need to, you know, we need to aim for this demographic, you know, we need right. to, we need to, we need to, we need to, and I, and, and I remember having these conversations with, with people. I, I, I'll tell you a, a good, a good example was, um, I recorded a Christmas album, but you know, I remember having a kind of fight for that, you know, and, and, and fight for the, the idea that it was a Christmas record, you know, yep. and, um, and it, and it got caught up in all the bullshit politics, you know. It, it, oh, it's a holiday album. I'm like, it's not. It's not a holiday album, man. It's a Christmas album. It's not an Easter album, you know. It's not. It's it, 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 it's a Christmas album. Yeah. Well, you've got. You know, you might. There might be some people that are insulted by that. And I thought you might myself, alienate the non-Christian community. Well, yeah. Well, that's right. And I'm thinking to myself, like, like I love everybody. I I, I don't have any issues with anybody. You do. But but the thing is, is like I don't know many people that are non-Christian that celebrate Christmas as the the meaning of Christmas, the birth of Jesus, right? You know, like yeah. like I, it's like I don't think I'm insulting anybody. I love Ramadan. Like I love going out and having a good time. You know, so why am I arguing with you guys to call this a Christmas record? Like why? I know my audience. My audience love tradition. The majority they of them celebrate this, Christmas. Yeah, they they, they open they, they they love celebrate Christmas. Uh, so I, rem- I remember that thing to myself, man. This is this is wild that I have to. Yeah, I'm even having this conversation. But long story short, it ended up being a Christmas record. It was called, uh, you know, Christmas gift to you, and it ended up, you know, being a big success. It and, sure did. And lo and behold, we had. Many, many different. Johnny, I remember the people. I remember the protests about the release of the album. They were this. They were the streets were lined. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, but but you know, Paul, it was amazing because when we yeah. went on tour and we toured that, it was amazing. I had colors and cultures and creeds and religions. I had all these people, just people coming together to enjoy a night of music. You know, it was a big show. People a loved buddy. it. So I think that sometimes uh, people that do not live that don't have that connection to the audience. They have these great ideas, but they don't fully understand the relationship between an artist and their audience, you know? You are a, uh, just coming off that idea, you are fortunate, you may not consider yourself that way, but fortunate to come from um, an area and a family that had such strong ties strong uh, a connection to each other that you you had a direction whether you knew it or not at the time artistically this has resulted in maggie the musical that you wrote your artistic direction was so influenced by where you came from yeah and i'm, I'm wondering if I, I know that this is why country music is what it is this is why hip-hop is what it is because <laughs> this is where people come from and this is the the geography informs the art and your geography informed your art uh would you say uh, that that was an advantage would you say that i know it hasn't held you back because you're incredibly successful award-winning all of those things but in having a lane is a good thing but would you say it's ever held you back yeah listen uh, you know the the voice of the people right i mean that's what you want to be right you want to be the people's champion um that was always my my approach. Uh, yeah. You know, there was a lot of people involved, managers, agents, record labels, all these people. And as you as you grow and you grow, there's more and more and more people. But you know, th- just keeping that connection between you and the and the audience has been 
really the secret to a lot of things for us, you know, just making sure that they're taking care of and they take care of me. And and every, everybody else does fine, you know, because of that. Yeah. Um, like you said, though, with, 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 your Christ, with your Christmas album, so many people of different cultures and ethnicities came out to, to attend Absolutely. your shows. And your shows are, and I've seen many of them live, your shows are a celebration. They're a revival. They should be. That's that's what that's what that's why we're all getting together. You know, that's why yeah. that's why people do that. Probably, but you know, we as people seek community, right? Some guys, you know, some people find it at the gym. Some people find it at concerts. Some people find it at church. Some people find it at the mosque. You know, like we're we're, we're seeking community. That's what that's what we're looking for, right? We're all kind of looking to be loved, right, and to give it. So, it's it's a. You know, that's what concerts allow us to give that to people. But to answer your question about influence, yeah. when you grow up in a place, uh, you know, when I look back at Scotland, for instance, uh, my, my journey from Scotland to Canada is not unlike anybody else's. They're moving to any part of the world to come, to, to leave everything they, they know and to come to this new country and try to acclimate and and become Canadian, right? Yeah. You know, you know this this journey. So what you what ends up happening is you end up bringing the basics of of how you grew up, and the basics of how we grew up was was to be nice to each other, you know, was to be polite to each other, you know, to to hey ask somebody how they're doing in the morning, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, people would say, "Oh, do you miss Scotland?" Well, yes. I did. I missed a lot of things about Scotland, but I, I didn't fully understand what Scotland was until years later when people said, do you miss Scotland? Well, when my granny passed away, there wasn't really any reason for me to go back there, Paul. Yes, sir. I know that. Yep. Right. Yep. So what I realised is that when I shut my eyes and people said, do you miss Scotland? Well, what I missed is I missed my gran. Yeah. She was, she was Scotland to me. Right, oh, uh, she funny. was my memory of home. She was that. So, so when I, you know, in starting to write a musical, uh, it was to celebrate Scotland, but it was actually to celebrate. It was to celebrate her and allow people the opportunity to get to meet her. As crazy as that sounded, I was yeah. like, you know, how how am I going to? How can I figure out a way for people? People would say all the time. Oh, your granny sounds amazing. Oh, I'd love to meet your grand. Oh, your grand must have been. I was like, well, I can do that. Uh, again, the gift, the gift. Of, yeah. I can put my granny on a stage and have her sing songs to people that are going to allow them to get to know her and her story. And at the end of it, they're going to say, oh, that Maggie, she was something else, you know? So it does influence. You know, I'm influenced by a lot of things, but definitely influenced by my mother, you know, listen to a lot of Motown, a lot of soul music. My father was a mechanic, equipment mechanic, so he listened to a lot of Charlie Rich and Charlie Pride and Willie Nelson and all that. So I had that storytelling aspect there. Yeah. So I was really just a product in my environment, you know. Yeah. No, I know. Uh, That's lovely. And 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 I've I've been lucky, Paul. I, listen, I I've been very fortunate, mate. You know, I've I've been able to surround myself with incredible people professionally, but. On a personal level, you know, like, you know, just just having having great support systems and and having people around you that support what you're up to, you know, that yeah, kind of I know when to step aside, when to step aside, and allow you the time that you need. You know, my wife has been a an incredible 
an incredible journey with her, right? And I've got kids that respect me and, yeah. and look at look at my life and and say, man, yeah, she's like, you know, my, my dad works, you know, my dad works hard, and and that's how I felt, you know, I felt like that as well, you know, my my mom, my dad did a great job, you know, we um, bringing bringing me for for Scotland to Canada, and it wasn't always easy, you know, still still not easy for time to time, you know. What's the status of Maggie right now? The play. Uh, debuted in Hamilton, yep. in Aquarius. Uh, did a big sold out run there. She's now sitting in uh, PEI at the Charlottetown Festival. She'll be there till September. And then the whole production will move to the Savoy in Cape Breton, followed by Newfoundland. And then the, the hope is, and, and it looks like it's probably going to happen, uh, is, is to go stateside and uh, share her uh, with the East Coast, uh, the East Coast of the States. So look at, look it's very at exciting. Very look at that. Stuff. Look at you. What do they call that? You're a theater impresario now. Uh, listen, I've got to tell you, I, I'm, I go, <laughs> again, all about the people you surround yourself with. A young yeah. fella by the name of Matt Murray from Toronto. Uh, I met with him and shared my, my vision, and, and he rolled his sleeves up and dug deep. Uh, Mary Frances Moore, Scottish, by the way, uh, same as you, supports the, the ranked team. But uh, ah. she... <laughs> she uh, She's she's for Hamilton, and she directed it. She's amazing. Uh, Bob yep. Foster, I don't know if you know Bob Foster. Uh, Bob is a he did all the uh, musical arrangement, direction, all that stuff for Come From Away. Okay. Uh, so he's so he's he's uh, the music director, and then my my co-producer um, is a guy named Michael Rubinoff, who was actually the founding producer of Come From Away. Yeah, familiar with his name, absolutely. So it's it's been, you know, I, I, honestly, Paul, I would love to tell you that I'm like every day I'm in it. I, I'm really not. Yeah, these guys. Are, but you you wrote the music for the song that, that you wrote. Yeah, song. yeah, oh yeah, we wrote we wrote. Uh, Matt and I dug in and 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 you know we created it. But yeah. the heavy lifting on that side is done on mass, you know. So now it's in the hands of all these other people that are very very talented and very experienced at what they do. How different? Let me just ask you this: as a writer writing something for theatrical, uh, for 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 the stage, for a theater, yeah. Um, how different was that to let go of than say putting songs on an album that you know are going to exist it was forever? Crazy, Paul. Like so, so like when I sit down to write a song, right? It's usually like verse, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, right. chorus, done. Got to keep it under about three minutes for radio. Yada yada. The musical is just a whole different animal because the lyrical content of the musical has to move the story forward. Right. It's so the narrative. It's the narrative. It never ends. Yeah, yeah. So it never it never ends. The song needs to it needs to set up. But I had went to a lot of musicals like before embarking upon writing Maggie, uh went to a lot of musicals and the one thing that I found consistent is that I was leaving the theatre and I, I was having a hard time remembering the songs. I loved them. When I was sitting there, it was amazing. I had a great time. But yep. when I left, I had a hard time. I didn't know the title of the song. I couldn't really tell you what was like. So my goal with Maggie was that every single song I wanted to make sure, like commercial songwriting, I wanted to make sure that it could be on a T-shirt. You know what yep. I mean? I wanted to make sure that the hook, the, the the title of the song was unforgettable. I wanted to make sure that the music and the moment where it happened and the musical was unforgettable so that you could identify the song with what was happening. Yep. Um, so, And I think we've, we've been able to attain that. 
I believe it was Jim Valens who said that, right? If you don't know uh, the name of the song by the end of the first verse, you've done something wrong. Yeah, I think it was. And there's a lot of truth in that. You know what I mean? Even like get to the, you know, get to the chorus, right? So that you, <laughs> yeah. So, so, that you, so that you know what the song's about and, yeah. and try to make it unforgettable. So that's what we've, that's what we've done. And it seems to be really, oh. it, it's quite incredible, man. Like the response. What a, what a gift. Crazy. What a gift to give yeah. to, your, to your grandmother. Uh, you know, Matt Murray, um, a co co writer on this thing, he yeah. he said it best. He said, you know, this is a musical about somebody that, and to, that we should never have a musical written about them. You know, <laughs> it, it's like it's like it's yeah. it's an everyday story, and I believe I believe that's what's connecting is is the fact that Maggie, everybody sees a wee bit of themselves in her, right? Uh, it's it's your auntie. It's your granny, it's your sister, it's your ma. You know, it's you're seeing that in there, and it talks about a whole. You know, it's uh, looking forward to letting you see it, but yeah, you know, there's just so much you can take. Well, place I tell you what, it. I will be at the Glasgow premiere of there this. There you go. Of I will, hold, I will hold you. I will hold you to that, and How I will that? bring a Jaffa cake and, <laughs> and, and, and a tin iron brew. I would appreciate yeah. that. Um, I got to just talk to you before we let you go about the, the new artists that you're working with right now. So you are not only able to communicate um, the life of uh, your, your, your dear beloved departed grandmother yeah. um, and sing songs of your upbringing that, that, that are directed and informed by your upbringing in Scotland and Canada and America, but you're also working with new artists, um, including somebody that a lot of people know from The Voice. Oh yeah, so uh, one project we just wrapped up actually was uh, Katie Caden. Uh, she's from Chicago, and uh, she is an absolute powerhouse. Unbelievable voice, great songwriter. Uh, got together with Tog Salter, and a great Canadian songwriter as well. And uh, we got to the studio and and we started working with Katie. They had got this EP coming up with her, and it's. It's stunning, Paul. I can hardly wait for you to hear it. How did you end up getting connected with her? It's it's a longer story, but the, here's the short version. Okay. So the short version is Jen and I were watching the telly, and we see this, like, it's like, wow. And all four chairs turn around, right? right? Like Kelly, John <laughs> yeah. Legend, everybody turns around, like, who yeah. is this? And I looked at Jen and went, she's going to win it. And and Jen's like, well, I said, that's a world-class voice. So, the, so that happened. Years went on. And I was, uh, somebody sent me a text. So I opened up my text. They said, check out this thing on. There's this singer. Oh, you should hear her. I was like, so I opened up the video on YouTube. And sure enough, it was Katie Kate. And I was like, yeah. I remember this. I remember this girl. Uh, so I was on Instagram. I sent her a DM. Yep. And I said, hey, Katie, uh, my name's Johnny Reed. I'm, I'm stepping way outside my comfort zone right now. Uh, but I just finished building a recording studio in Nashville. It's called Soul Train Sound Studios. It was built for a voice like yours. If you're ever in Nashville, please let me know. I would love to buy a cup of coffee. Send. And I was walking out of Home Depot. I go to the uh, <laughs> I go to the I go to the the perennials. <laughs> right? Come on. I swear to God, man. I get to the perennials and my phone goes ding. And I was like, oh, what does this mean? Because I had, I had never done this DM thing before. Sure. So I was like, oh. And it says, hey, Johnny, it's Katie. Thanks for reaching out. I'm actually going to be in Nashville in three weeks. Would love that coffee. I said, what? So three weeks later, she comes by the studio, 
before she came in, Corky and Kyle were there. I said, guys, set, get the piano, bring out the piano, put it in the middle of the studio, get some microphones on it. Because I knew that something might happen, right? So she comes in, we're talking, we end up talking about a whole bunch of stuff, contracts, music business, yeah. you know, the voice, all that stuff. And uh, I said, so have you been writing anything lately? Have you been up to anything lately? She goes, well, I wrote this one song, and but it's called Some Kind of Way, and you know, it's about a guy who's got you. Where's she from, Johnny? But she's from Chicago. Chicago, King. And she's, uh, I've wrote this. I said, really? I said, like, can you play? He goes, well, I, said, I wrote it on piano. I'm like, oh, that's funny. I said, <laughs> there's just a I've, piano. Happens I said, to be I've right got, there. I've got, a, I've got a grand piano out there with a bunch of mics on it. You know, you want to sit and play it? Oh. She said, oh, sure. I mean, sure. Pop, she sits down at the piano. She starts singing. And my jaw hit the floor. And uh, and anyway, she did that. She was leaving. And I said, Katie, if you ever want to work on something together, if you want to just write some songs together, or if you want, if you ever want to just hang up, man, I, I would I would love that, you know. And uh, lo and behold, you know, a few years later, we have her on our label. You know, we're taking care of it management-wise. And uh, now we've got an EP coming out here in the next few few weeks. And Paul, I'm telling you, it's exquisite. Her, it's unbelievable. Are you involved in writing any of her stuff, or yeah, you are? So there's so there's there's six songs on the EP. Yeah, uh, I co I co wrote four of them. Yep. And the the other two were the actual songs that she brought in that day, the first day I met her, that I fell in love with. You do you do have you do have a a. Um a connective tissue in your respective growls. You know that, right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So where does the inspiration come for Johnny Reed now at this stage of your career with all the things that you've done to actually write a song? What do you still need to get out that you haven't got out? Well, the inspiration for me is still what it always was, which which was just being a good listener, you know, and just listening to people, you know, and, and continuing to be honest and, and being myself. Uh, I was watching a movie, months ago now but there was a guy on there and he, he says he's talking to his woman you know this woman and, and his woman is kind of pushing away love she's scared to be in love right and uh and he professes basically just professes how he feels and she and he says to her like tell me i'm wrong you know and i went whoa that's a song that's a good title so and i've got all these like you know the yes kind of they back up Temptations things, yeah. You know? I'm I'm excited about that song because I think that it's going to be a great audience participation thing, and it's also a song of a song of of, of dedication, which which absolutely works works for me. So I love that. I have just so you know suggested many titles to artists that I have spoken to over the years. Not yeah. one of them has ever taken me up on any of the titles that I have suggested. Uh, I've thought many of them were really, really good. The one that I can take away from our conversation today, we'll go back to Maggie, your, your wonderful grandmother. Um, and uh, you said at one point, she was Scotland. She was Scotland. Pretty great title for a song. Pretty great title, man. You know, and, she and, was Scotland. and now many, I know you've already done a play dedicated to her and everything, but yeah. she was Scotland is, I yeah. know it's a limited audience. There's only four and a half million well, maybe, people. Maybe the title, maybe the title is she, she was, she, she was home. You know, like she was home because that that to me 
you know, you, you think about people. I met a lot of really cool people, you know, through the years for different places. Bangladesh, we, Pakistan, to Australia, to yep. all these places, right? Uh, but the one thing that we all have in common, and whether it's being watching Kevin Bridges or, or whether it be watching whatever <laughs> whatever it is, we associate that with home, right? Yeah, we that's, do. That's what takes us there. Even yeah. though you might be generationally removed, um uh, it's there is still a place there is still a place to go just on a very very primal primal level so dude you got to go record that take me uh, uh tell me i'm wrong immediately before somebody listens to this Bloody, podcast i gotta, and steals I gotta it. tell you man i've already i've already got a great wee work tape it you know right, and uh i was actually i worked on it with a guy an irish fella uh, who you'd love you need to check him out his name's uh, gareth dunlop okay uh red-headed fella for ireland that's a and, shame uh He's he's brilliant, man, and he came out of my house and him and I sat and and uh, I shared the story and we started working on it and it yeah it was actually going to be for another project that he was working on, but then I called him up. I'm like, Gareth, this like this thing that we've written is is so me, you know. Yeah. You know, Paul, I'm going to tell you. I'll tell yeah. you a wee funny story. You you really want something that's bizarre? Is so last year I was uh, yeah well a year and a half ago I was nominated for a Grammy. Yes, right? you were. Congratulations. No, but the reason I bring this up is to is not a flex on a nomination for a Grammy. That's all right. You can do that. You're allowed. No, no. But the reason I bring it up is because it, it's going to lead me to probably what's going to close down the show here. <laughs> is is that a great song is a great song is a great song is a great song. And when we started talking today, you brought up the word genre, right? Which... Genre is is very much a a business model. It's the music business that created genre, right? Yep. Um, I worked with this Jamaican guy called uh, Gramps Morgan, and and I was nominated. We were nominated for a Grammy for Reggae Album of the Year. Positive Vibration. That was the uh, that was the name of the album. Yeah. But if you if you look at. Uh, Type in Gramps Morgan, a woman like you. He does a cover of your song. We did it. I said, look. So basically, all all we did was take a bunch of Johnny Reed songs and turn them into reggae songs. Yeah, that's all we did. That was the that's it. That was that. So, <clears throat> so my my point to you yep. is, you know, talking about songs, you really should be able to take a great song and make it work in. A number of different languages. Johnny, you know I'm a big Oasis fan. You break down, and Noel Gallagher's Huge. done this on many, many occasions, especially since he's been a solo artist. But yeah. a guy in a guitar playing, uh, man, you could break that down, and that becomes a country song. It becomes a John Denver becomes a folk song. Any of those? Exactly. Things. He yeah. was just uh, uh, Noel was just in Nashville. He was he visited yeah. the Gibson. He was at I the Gibson Long. Yeah, yeah, I saw him in Toronto last week. Yeah, he's wicked man. Still so one. I mean. You know, one of the, you know, you're a huge fan, I know, but yeah, uh, there was a lot of huge fans. They were awesome. Uh, there are. Do you think they'll ever get back together? May I go on record right now saying I hope they never do. Uh, yeah. They did what they were going to do. I've interviewed Noel. He is um, a very lovely guy. He doesn't laugh a lot, but he, he's a, a very generous guy to spend time with. Yeah, yeah. And uh, no, they do not need to get back together. We have the Oasis albums. It's there. He's got new music. We got. That's it's all it. there. And it's wicked. These new stuff's great as well. The man. difference is uh, between you and him is that you are still 
making new music, and you are, you are, as I said, a theater impresario. You're involved with new and upcoming artists. You're involved with established artists. Uh, Johnny, couldn't be uh, happier for you. Couldn't be more proud to call you a friend. And um, I wish you and your family continued success. And I can't wait to see you, man. Thanks, Paul. And, well, listen, man, the, feeling, uh, the feelings are mutual. And uh, I'm very appreciative for your time and look forward to speaking to you again. Thanks for listening. This has been Storytellers. Download the free Stingray Music mobile app and listen to the 97 South Song Sessions channel today. Stingray Music. Life's on you. Music's on us.